Chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. In the previous chapters, there was simultaneous noise, devastation, angels singing, the church, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, and martyred tribulation saints rejoicing, worshiping, and praising God before his throne in heaven. On earth, there was thunder, lightning, volcanic eruptions, and earthquakes of enormous magnitude. Now, suddenly, there is silence. Nothing. Silence so loud, it's deafening. Like the ultimate calm before the ultimate storm, there was complete silence throughout the heavens. There is not a bird chirping, nor the sound of the slightest breeze blowing. There is neither angels singing nor saints worshiping. No sound whatsoever was heard throughout the universe. This will be terrifying to the inhabitants of the earth, or at least it should be. In a split second, there will be a dramatic shift from the noise, commotions, signs, and wonders in the heavens to absolute nothingness for 30 minutes. Just thinking about what this great silence would be like causes the hair on the back of my neck to stand up and goosebumps to rise on my arms. God, once again, in his ultimate love and compassion for the human race, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, it says in 2 Peter 3.9, is in essence, God is saying, Okay, you people still on earth, you've witnessed the devastation from the first six seals with your own eyes. Now I am giving you this half hour to contemplate all that you have seen and heard and to come to repentance and turn to me before I unleash the full power of my wrath upon you. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Scripture reveals the names of two mighty angels which stand before God, as Gabriel and Michael, the archangels. But none of these seven angels were Michael or Gabriel, because as Scripture also reveals, Michael and Gabriel are busy battling Satan and the fallen angels. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 13, Daniel is being informed by one of the heavenly angels, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, one of the names for Satan, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And in Jude, verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not to bring a railing accusation against Satan, but said, The Lord rebuke you. See, even, even the angels, even the mighty archangels in heaven know that the power is in Jesus' name, not any 
same power through their own, and it's not any power through our own that we can defeat Satan, but it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, which we will also get into later, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. It's pretty obvious, looking at today's world, that Satan's doing a great job of deceiving it. And the more he deceives it, the more evil it becomes, the closer we are to the Lord calling us home. Thank you, Jesus. The seven angels that stood before God were each given a trumpet. Trumpets are used in scripture, usually to announce impending trouble and to sound alarms, as in Numbers chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. It says, The sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets, and these shall be to you an ordinance forever throughout your generations. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppress you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God and you will be saved from your enemies. Trumpets were also used for rejoicing and for solemn days. Numbers 10, 10 tells us, Also in the day of your gladness, and in your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. For the inhabitants of earth, these seven trumpets are warnings of judgment and impending doom. But for the tribulation martyrs, the trumpets are for rejoicing, because God is about to avenge his people and answer the prayers of the souls under the altar. From Revelation 6, verse 9. Revelation 8 verses 3 through 5. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Who says God doesn't hear or answer our prayers? From what scripture reveals, this angel priest is Jesus in his present ministry as our high priest. Hebrews 6, 20b says, Even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Only Jesus has the right and the authority to offer up our prayers to his Father. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, 
Jesus is the only one who died for us. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus was often referred to as the angel of the Lord. In Judges 2, 1 and 4, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. The altar on which to burn incense in the Old Testament was set up in the tent of the congregation just before the door or the veil of the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. It was Aaron, the high priest, who was to burn the sweet incense on the altar continually and once a year make atonement upon the horns of the altar with the blood of the sin offering, which is most holy unto the Lord. Only the high priest could make this atonement with blood and only the high priest could burn the sweet-smelling incense on the altar. The censer is always mentioned in connection with the high priest. These scriptures reveal that this other angel can be none other than our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. When the censer is thrown, the silence in heavens and the earth are shattered. In Revelation 5.8, just before Jesus opened the seven seals, the elders and the cherubims had golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. In both instances, it was the prayers of the saints that preceded the initiation, the opening of the seals, and the blowing of the trumpets. James 5.16b says, The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But what makes us righteous? We're all sinners. Till the day we die, we, we, are, we are sinners. We were born into sin. It's our very nature to sin. So what makes a righteous man that our prayers can be heard? What makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has forgiven your sins, and we are righteous in his, in his eyes. Not in, not in anything we do, to, uh, not in anything that other people can see in us, but in Jesus' eyes, as long as we accept him as our Lord and Savior and believe he died for us on that cross and that he is God, we are righteous in his eyes, and he does hear us. He hears our prayers. It may not always be answered the way we think it should be answered, but he knows what's best for us. Chapter 8, verse 7. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The Lord placed a similar judgment upon the land of Egypt 
when Pharaoh refused to let Moses and the Israelites leave. Exodus chapter 9, verse 24 through 26 says, So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. The blood mingled with fire could possibly be the blood of the martyred saints. The prayers being answered are from the martyred saints that are underneath the altar. The prayers of the saints ascend and judgment descends. Think of the ecological impact that this judgment will have on the earth. One third of all the trees and all the grass on the earth will be burning. Imagine the smoke, the ash, the heat, the pollution. Clean air will be destroyed and oxygen will be consumed by the fire to support the burning. People and animals will die and suffer from this event. And this is just the first of, of the seven trumpet judgments. Verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and one-third of the sea became blood, and one-third of the living creatures in the sea died, and one-third of the ships on the sea were destroyed. Just as in the first trumpet judgment, the environmental and ecological impact the second trumpet judgment will have on the world will be devastating. The stench from one-third of the creatures in the seas and oceans dying and rotting on the shores and beaches will be nauseating. One-third of all the ships on the seas and oceans will be destroyed. The smell of the rotting flesh of dead bodies from the crews and passengers will look and smell disgusting. The pollution will be devastating. As of April 2006, there are more than 25,000 ocean-going merchant ships registered. So imagine what 8,333 ships being destroyed all at once will do to the shipping industry and the economy. How many other jobs will be affected? It's beyond imagination. And there are still five trumpets to go. Verses 10 and 11. Then the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a th one third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water, because it was made bitter. This star, or meteor as we would call it, will hit the fresh water supply of the earth. One third of all the fresh water on this earth will be poisoned. We depend on water for, for our survival. 
We use it for drinking, washing, cleaning, cooking, electricity, etc. Many people will die from drinking this water and using it to wash and prepare food. The Greek word for wormwood is absinthos and means bitterness. In the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, it is la'anwa and means to curse or cursed and poisonous. National Geographic lists approximately 100 principal rivers in the world, ranging in length from 4,000 miles long, which is the Amazon River, to the Rio de la Plata River, which is 150 miles long. The United States Geological Survey reports 30 large rivers in the United States, beginning with the mighty Mississippi, which is 3,710 miles long. I myself live just about two miles from Lake Erie and about five miles from the Niagara River and about 35 miles from one of the seven wonders of the world, Niagara Falls. This is all fresh water that we depend on each and every day. One third of all this fresh water in the world will be poisoned. Verse 12, then the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise one-third of the night. When the fourth angel blows his trumpet, we will go from a 24-hour day to a 16-hour day. This is a punishment to the unbelievers of the earth, but it is also necessary for the survival of God's elect, the Jews and the tribulation martyrs. The elect would be burned up from the intense heat building up on the earth from the destruction of the ozone layer, allowing for the increased heat from the sun in combination with the buildup of heat caused by the volcanic ash and earthquakes causing smoke and dust from the collapse of buildings and mountains to spread into the atmosphere which will not allow the heat and gases to escape. Matthew 24 verses 21 and 22 says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be again. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Where will you be when the fourth trumpet sounds? It's not too late to repent and ask Jesus into your heart right now to forgive your sins and for him to become your Lord and Savior. In Amos chapter 8 verse 9, the Lord says, and it will come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. Verse 13. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are still yet to sound. 
before the fifth angel sounds his trumpet, God, once again in his mercy and love for mankind, is still giving the inhabitants of the earth a chance to repent. He sends an angel to fly throughout the earth to give a warning that what already has happened on the earth is nothing in comparison to what is about to happen. Scripture says that no one will have an excuse because in this end time, everyone will hear the message of the Gospels and have a chance to repent. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now while you still have a chance, or you will bow to the Lord when you are in front of him at the time of your judgment. Romans 14, verse 10 through 12 says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. It's like the old saying, You can pay me now, or you can pay me later. The choice is totally yours, but you will bow before the Lord whether you want to or not. God gave us free will to choose the paths we want to take in life. Whenever you see the word woe in the scriptures, look out, you need to take heed. There is big trouble about to take place. And if, if you have any sense at all, you will want to be as far away as possible from what is about to happen. There are numerous scriptures throughout the Old and New Testament that mention woe, and not one of them means anything good. Death and destruction always follows a woe. Isaiah 5, 20-22 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe but deny justice to the innocent. Woe to them that will still be on this earth when the next three trumpets sound. Does that quote from Isaiah sound familiar of what's happening in this world today in this 21st century? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's happening all around us. Everything that is, that is evil in the eyes of God and has been all of a sudden, man is saying, no, it's good, it's, it's, it's okay, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You're going to pay the price. You, you, you may get away with things now on this earth, but you will not get away with things when you stand before the Lord our God at the judgment seat of Christ.